0: Jonah 3, 1 through 5. Christy, thanks for doing so. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. The word of God for the people of God. Be to God. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord, we're grateful for your word and for the witness that it is bearing even in our midst. And we pray that you would speak to us this morning as we continue in it. Again, we pray, Lord, that you would give us a greater revelation of who you are that shapes and forms who we are and how we live our lives. And we thank you for the call on each one of us and more than that individually on this community corporately. So come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Pray that with me. Come Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning, we continue in our series on the book of Jonah about the life of the prophet Jonah. And we've said that Jonah, the book of Jonah, is a piece of prophetic literature with a twist. Most of the Old Testament prophetic books contain oracle after oracle of prophetic utterance. And Jonah contains one prophetic phrase that's five words long in the Hebrew original language. To be clear, Jonah was written for a specific audience at a particular time, and the whole story of Jonah is the prophecy to the people of God, and there is still much truth that we can glean even today in 2022, the people of Marvin Church, in particular the people who gather here in this space this community of core. And so two weeks ago, we said that Jonah was a prophet of God who spoke on behalf of God to the people of God. He was in a covenant relationship with God and with each other, the people of God. And in the book of Jonah, he was called by God to go to a people that were not gods. And that left him a little bit bitter and angry. Jonah responded, and he ran as far and as fast as he could in the other direction. And God's call does demand a response, but that's not necessarily the response that God was looking for. Who can outrun the long arm of the Lord anyways? None of us. And the Lord reached out to Jonah and met him where he was. And last week we saw what that encounter was exactly like. We said that Jonah's response had an effect on him, and it put him in one of the deepest, darkest places he'd ever been in in his life. But when Jonah had hit rock bottom, he had the presence of mind to call out to God who met him right where he was. In fact, God had never left Jonah. Jonah prayed from within the belly of that great fish, And God had mercy on Jonah. He delivered Jonah. And just like God's call demands a response, God's mercy demands a response too. And this morning, we see the full impact, the full effect of that mercy and that response. But first, if we are going to respond to God's call, to the invitation that he has put out there to join him in what he's doing, we've got to know two things, We've got to know, first and foremost, that God has called us, the people of CORE, for and to such a time as this, and that call demands a response. That invitation demands a response, and the second thing we've got to know, that response is hard work soul work, looking inside, maybe even first and maybe even repeatedly as God is churning things up and revealing more and more that we've got to turn over to him. And he meets us in that rock-bottom place that we find ourselves in again and again. And the reason those two things are so important that we understand God's call is for now And it starts right here looking at the inside is because what God is calling us to is not anything that we can accomplish on our own strength. If God doesn't show up, we are history. And the second thing we've got to know is God is not calling us to change the name on something and make it look bright and shiny and brand new, but nothing on the inside has changed or none of the processes or none of the goals are any different. He's calling us to join him in what he is doing, and that is altogether new. So let me tell you where we're going this morning. This morning, we are going to Nineveh. And as we look at Jonah chapter three, there are three things that we wanna consider. First, we wanna consider, again, God's call. The second thing we wanna consider is God's message. And the third thing we wanna consider is God's heart. So first, let's look at God's call to Jonah. Christie just read Jonah 3, verse 1, which began, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. We're not sure how long this was after that great fish vomited Jonah onto dry land. I'm guessing he had enough time to clean himself up. But God approached Jonah a second time saying, go to the great city of Nineveh, And proclaim to it the message I give you. That word go means arise, it means get up. Those are original language nuances. It's the same word that's used to describe Cain rising up over and against his brother Abel in order to kill him. That's pretty dark. But it's also the same word in Genesis used when God called Noah and called Abraham to go. They were on the verge of something new and God was calling them into a deeper level of covenant and community. God's call to Jonah is go, and not in a hostile sense, but in a powerful one. Go and fulfill the very purpose for which I have called you. Stand up. Move. That word also implies death, figuratively speaking. Jonah, make a clean break from the old way of doing things. Get up and do this for which I've called you. Go to Nineveh. God is calling us Nineveh. And I wonder for you what that call looks like or how God might be leading you to a people who are on the outside. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, which was the capital of Assyria, an exceedingly great city in terms of population and square footage. Nineveh was comprised of suburb after suburb. It was This proud metropolis of a resistless empire was overflowing with wealth and numbers filled with insolence and luxury. Jonah was called to go to that city. Now let's consider God's message. God's call way back in Jonah chapter one, verse two, read, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And here in Jonah chapter three, verse two, God said, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. This time God called Jonah without any specificity as if to say, just be faithful in going and I'll give you more intel upon arrival. And when Jonah arrived, he called out on the very first day, 40 more days and Nineveh will be destroyed again in the first language that prophecy was five words 40 more days Nineveh destroyed 40 days that number 40 symbolizes punishment chastisement complete and utter humiliation Jonah warned them but get this The number 40 also has hope at its core. And if 40 does its proper work, life begins in a new way. In 40 days, Nineveh will be overturned. Maybe. Jonah may not have been sure what that looked like. To be sure, it would be literally transformed. Jonah's intent may have been to taunt but he had no idea the transformation that would soon take place because in verse five it says, the Ninevites believed God. They responded to God's message. I don't know if you've ever been repelling, but the hardest part of repelling is going over that edge and then letting go of it and putting the full weight of your existence on that rope and trusting that it is going to lower you safely to the ground. That's what belief is, putting the full weight of your existence on something, in this case, on someone, God. And the people of Nineveh put the full weight of their existence on Jonah's message. It says they believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. And that's when we get specific. In verse six, we see the greatest Ninevite was the king. And when Jonah's word reached up, he got up off of his throne. That's powerful imagery. He yielded his throne to God. And then he took off his robes and he put on sackcloth and he put on the ash. It's almost like he put on Christ. It says, the Ninevites, following their king, they turned around in true repentance. It was experienced by everyone in Nineveh. How are you experiencing repentance? How, are you, how does your life demonstrate belief in God? We don't have to go zero to 60 like that But God is always revealing himself, truth, calling us to go deeper, calling us to yield more and more. So we've seen the effect of God's call. We've seen the impact of God's message. message, And both of those things reflect God's heart. So what does it mean to repent? True repentance is godly sorrow. It's heartbreak for our sin. It is an act of turning around and going with God. And for the Ninevites, their change of heart was characterized by the sackcloth and the ash, by a citywide fast that was called, where they consumed neither food nor water for 40 days, and they called out mightily to God. One person affected the many. The entire city followed the king. The Ninevites truly changed their direction. And it's thought that while Jonah preached for a day in that city, the revival that followed lasted for years. The people of Nineveh were moved to turn from both their malignant cancerous character and the injustices that they had done with their own hands on their neighboring and warring countries. They turned with hope that God would turn, that he would relent, that his fierce anger would let up. It seems they weren't even completely sure that God would have a change of heart because as far as we know, there was no optimism in Jonah's message. He preached judgment without mercy. There was no grace in Jonah's preaching, but the Ninevites hoped to avoid extinction. And all we have is, they believed God. And the history books show that revival happened. They experienced the full weight of God's heart for them. Reconciliation to God, restoration to one another, revival broke out. And when God saw what the Ninevites did, how they'd put a stop to their evil ways, he had a change of heart. His plan turned 180 degrees. God relented. It's safe to say that God repented. And He models for us what repentance looks like. God did not bring the evil upon them that He said He would, the disaster that surely was a part of Jonah's prophecy. How can it be that God would change His mind? But that God changes his mind, means that God is gracious. He is not without a heart. And his heart is for all people to experience the gospel truth, to know freedom, to experience God's love, and to share that with the world. God's heart is that all people are reconciled to him. And the Ninevites experience just that and then some revival. And so let me, ex- let me say it again. They experienced the full weight of God's heart. And here's the thing for us today, church. God has called us to proclaim his message and reflect his heart. And I wonder how we're doing that. How have we even bought into his message? And how are we reflecting his heart? What's on display here in Jonah chapter 3 is the gospel. At the very least, it's a dim reflection of the gospel, because we know that in the fullness of time, when the time was right, God stepped down out of heaven, and the person and work of Jesus Jesus gave God a face and a name, showed us what the embodiment of God's character is, what the personification of love looks like. Jesus lived and died. He was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And when he did, because he did, he went from being right here on the outside to right here on the inside of those who repent and put the full weight of their existence on him. That's what it means to claim his name, to reflect his glory and his goodness, his person in and through us. And it's a good thing because God is always at work around us, deep calling out to deep, inviting us to join him in his work. That's God's call. And it demands a response. But first, we have got to respond to God's gospel individually. And then after that first time, again, and again and again. It's a lifelong process whereby God is always calling us to go deeper with him. Whether it's the first or the 50th, God meets us in that moment of our deep darkness, and he can handle all our shame and pain. He invites us repeatedly to make a clean break with this world and with, this, with ourself and our old ways because God wants to reconcile us to himself. He wants to give us every bit of who he is and he wants us to give every bit of who we are and we, we start with as much as we are able to give him. He wants to save us to the uttermost and none of us has experienced God's most because there's always more And that's the goal, is to get more, grow more, closer and closer to God. And so it's from that process that begins and continues, it's that process that we respond to God's message of repentance and reflect God's heart for the world. And as we do, we go to Nineveh, which is right outside these walls where there is a world desperate and begging for something true and something more. And so, church, I wanna challenge you, and then I wanna encourage you. And first, I wanna challenge you with these words. As I was preparing this message, the scripture that came to mind was from Matthew chapter 23, verse 15, and I'll personalize it for you. Matthew 23, 15, this is what I heard. Woe to you, Mark, who goes across the street to gain a single convert and makes him as much a son of hell as you are. I hope that's not the case. Lord, save me from myself and save us from ourselves. We're in a period of discerning. We should always be Discerning truth, and as we encounter truth, there is an invitation to death, to self, which is really an invitation to life. Yes. And the gospel invites us to make a clean break from ourselves and from our ways and from our past and to look absolutely nothing like this world looks and carries on and does business. Our mission is to be disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples. That's the proof and litmus of discipleship, someone who is making disciples, and that's our mission. It is not to make neat Christians. And it's not to make people happy, it's not to grow our membership or our budget or our worship attendance, although those things might happen if we are pursuing truth and committed to health and life whose name is Jesus. Truth has a name, truth is a person, and Jesus has invited us to respond to truth. And so God is calling us to respond and to proclaim his message and to reflect his heart which is revival. Now I wanna encourage you. If you find yourself running from God, I want you to know you cannot outrun the long arm of the Lord, the strong arm of the Lord. And so if you're angry with him over his call, know that God is chasing hard after you. If you find yourself in the midst of the deepest, darkest belly of a fish, You have got to know that God is closer than you think. And he can call out, you can call out to God, and he can take all your pain, shame, your anger. If you feel like you are a Ninevite, there's good news for you. This is not exclusive. And God's invitation is that you respond to the gospel. And he's inviting you to respond to grace, And he wants to clean everything, change everything, do a work inside of you that's not zero to 60 overnight. It starts by giving as much of yourself as you can to as much of him as you understand. And if you want to go to Nineveh, God is already there. And he is doing a work that he is inviting us into, and that is a beautiful thing. God is the most creative one and is inviting us to tap into his creativity. God is the most powerful one, and he's inviting us to tap into his glory. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to Nineveh, and I want us to go together. And so I want to lead us in prayer. I want to facilitate prayer as we close, because there is so much at stake. And it starts right here, but it affects everything about everybody. So, Lord, as we enter into this time and this space, we do pray desperately for your move upon your church. God, I pray that you would show us what Nineveh looks like. And not just individually, although there are places we go all the time individually to be salt and light, but God, I pray that you would show us core Marvin Church, what Nineveh looks like and who you are calling us uniquely, positioning us uniquely to minister to and reach with the gospel. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to respond first. Death to self. Life in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would wake us up and bring revival to this place, not just individually, but corporately. So again, we pray that you would come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, say that with me. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name.